Welcome to the Red Voices podcast, ladies and gentlemen, where tonight I am joined by Kev Thomas, Richard Can, and Paul Gunning. So, we're not going to let the minor issue of Manchester United's final game of the Premier League season being abandoned and get in the way of this week's episode. Oh, no. Instead, we're going to focus on reviewing most of United's wonderful first-team squad and the incredible seasons they've had instead. Uh, but, <laughs> Rich, only one place to start tonight before we get onto that, and that's Old Trafford. What an incredible, potentially scary, and then farcical turn of events yesterday. It was, wasn't it? Um, whilst I, I don't uh, buy into the, the thinking that, that it's, it's another dreadful mistake by United per se, it, it just kind of summed up a season, didn't it? It's just it's just been quite a farcical farcical ride through a year, and that was kind of the perfect ending. And as, as I as I said on Twitter, all, all I really wanted was the season to end, and I weren't even allowed to have that. <laughs> no, it's one of those situations, one of the rare situations this season where, like uh, last Tuesday, it's very difficult to sort of criticise United based on the information we've been given, Kev. But still, it's it's becoming more and more common that these sort of incredible, remarkable situations seem to happen to our club, to be honest, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you and I were talking about this on the phone uh, this morning, weren't we? Uh, we were. if, if this thing had happened at the end of what was an otherwise pristine sort of season for logistics, uh, I think uh, we would shrug it off. But it, it's it's just so typical of the general sort of air of incompetence <laughs> around uh, this, the club and it seems to permeate all levels. I, I think it's quite a stretch, some of the uh, hot takes on Twitter you're seeing where people are trying to make a genuine correlation between uh, a independent, I guess, emergency testing training crew team leaving behind one item of equipment and Ed Woodward's inability to close a transfer deal. <laughs> it's quite a stretch. It's a but, bit um, of a, yeah, a bit of a stretch really, isn't it? <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it, it was laughable. I mean... But yes, the, the gentleman in charge of the security firm at least fronted up and said it was, you know, he, he they made the mistake and they take full responsibility for it. So that's something. Obviously, it doesn't really do much for logistics. But, I mean, in the whole sort of context of the actual afternoon with City drawing, to be fair, Paul, it doesn't really make too much of a difference what happens when we play Bournemouth tomorrow night anyway. Yeah, well, so we're in the Europa League anyway, whatever happens. So, no, it, it doesn't really make any difference, this game. It's just, a, it, like like Rich said, it's just sort of dragging this season out for that little bit longer, which I think none of us really wanted. Kev, Europa League football next season, whatever happens. How pumped are you? <laughs> I mean, uh, the, it's one of those competitions that just takes so, so long to win. Although, you're probably talking to the wrong guy if you're looking for somebody to absolutely just drag it through the mud because... The amount of times we've been in this competition in the last five years, and I've never really felt like we've taken it even remotely seriously. And I don't quite, but I don't quite understand just the general abuse and and hatred this competition gets. I mean, it could certainly serve as a springboard to get us back to the level we want to be at. And and any tournament we're in, I want to win. Um, no, I don't want to be playing in Eastern Europe in in July as part of our preseason. Um, but if we're in it, let's win it, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing you could say is that in terms of pre-season, we've actually only got two friendly scheduled for the entirety of the summer. So at least we were so that... thoroughly prepared for this season that it, they just felt it. <laughs> we could cut it back a bit, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, having so few games this summer could actually prove quite advantageous, really, couldn't it? Rich, how much of a problem is it that we've actually not reached top four given the farcical levels of the Premier League this season? It's it, It's quite incredible how bad City have been 
given their squad to actually potentially only pip us to fourth place by goal difference because we're just disgustingly bad. You know, fair play to Leicester and Spurs and Arsenal. You know, Arsenal finished second, and I don't. I think this is anything but a vintage Arsenal side. It, it's, it's been a pretty rancid season all round, I think, but we've been about as bad as anybody apart from Everton, really, given expectations and resources and things. But what I was going to say about the Europa League is that one one advantage is it is a, it is quite a good place to develop young players. If you think really, Harry Harry Kane sort of came to prominence by playing in the Europa League games. You know, he probably wouldn't be where he is now if he hadn't played in that competition and and done so well. And you know, given that we've got quite a few, quite a few young players in and around the squad at the moment that, that could do with experience, it's a slightly less high pressured environment for them to go and improve and, and gain experience. So it's not all bad, mm. I don't think. Well, fair enough. I guess we'll see. How, we'll see how this one pans out, depending on how well we fare tomorrow night at Bournemouth. But let's get straight into those player reviews. Paul, your first up, David de Gea. Kick us off strong, Paul. What can you say about him, really? Best goalkeeper in the world for me. Um, for me, Clive. Um, <laughs> it just, I mean, we, we were having a bit of a, a chat about this on our Red Voices WhatsApp group, weren't we? About, And I think it was Richard that said, you know, how grim is it to imagine where we'd be without him, really, this season? Or last season, or the season before? You know, he's been our standout player for the last three years, and... We maybe wouldn't be in a relegation battle without him, but we'd be nowhere near the top four if he hadn't be if he, if it wasn't for that dodgy file or fax machine or whatever it was that that caused his Real Madrid transfer to fall through. The trouble is, though, of course, he deserves to have won so much more than he has at United. What is it? One Premier League title, I think. A couple of charity shields. You just expect another summer of um, speculation about where he's going to go. Whether Real Madrid want him still or not, who knows? You wouldn't blame him if he did decide to move. Um, and I also think that he, he's he's that good that United's defence has, has got a lot of plaudits this season. But I think the defensive stats have been kind of masked by David de Gea because he he makes literally world class saves in every single game. Even when even even against Aston Villa when we were at home, we one 0 up. And they had this little surge at the end of the game. He made a fantastic save there. And, you know, it's every single game, week in, week out, he's pulling off unbelievable saves. And without him, I think our defence would be nowhere near uh, as good as it has been or has looked when you look at the stats. So if we can keep hold of him, we've got one of the best goalkeepers in the world. <sighs> I don't know what... I don't know what we're going to do if we if we lose him, but for me, he he deserved to get played this season again this season. So, what would you say sticks out of a moment of the season for him then? It was um, his celebration against Everton of Martial's goal. There yes. were too many great saves to pick out, really. So, you know, you could you could pick any one of his saves. Uh, so it's a celebration. Great stuff, Kev. Your first player and uh, heir of the Radamel Falcao chant, Sergio Romero. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on. No, uh, to be fair, um, you know he came in at a time when we needed him to, or situation had sort of dictated based on the decisions the manager had made uh, that we needed him. That uh, was fair enough. Um, three clean sheets in his first three games. One more league appearance since, and uh, nothing really to see here. Um, I think. 
in an effort to um, rally behind him and I guess probably saves our, try and save ourselves a little bit of heartbreak. There were some tentative whispers uh, in those very, very early stages of the season when it looked like Dave was off that Romero could do a job in Nets for us this year. But I think everything we've seen at the time in retrospect, retrospect and certainly everything we've seen since in the sporadic appearances he has made, um, good shot stopper terrible at everything else highlight of the season two highlights uh one he made a very very good save in the europa league against Michelin. um his other highlight of the season and my personal favorite is his absolute inability to hold a shirt during the photo that was taken <laughs> of him when he signed <laughs> and i was like the back of his hands it was ridiculous this doesn't bode well no he doesn't know how to use his hands uh so yeah Sergio Romero, we hardly knew you. Mm. I'd imagine he will. He may stick around, but we won't see much of a movie. No. Richard, your first player of the evening, Mike Smalling. Mike Smalling. Um, Mike Smalling, I, I'd sort of give him an 8 out of 10. Chris Smalling, maybe a 7. He's had a s- solid season. I think the, the praise he got in the first few months of the season was probably a little bit over the top. And as, as Paul said, certainly De Gea and also... The conservative system we were using at the time was masking, I think, the frailties of, of our back four. And I think he is, a, I think he's a, a, a good Premier League defender, or maybe a very good Premier League defender, but he's not a top class centre back. And I don't think he can be the leader of the of the defence going forward. But he could partner, a, you know, a really top class centre back, experienced centre back. I think um, moment of the season he's been so 7 out of 10 all the season nothing's really happened but that goal he scored against Wolfsburg was a really really nice finish I thought for a centre back um, just to just to get the right weight and direction on that on his foot as he stuck it out to pa- get it past the keeper so yeah so 7 out of 10 Paul Daily Blind sexy football what do you reckon? Well considering he's he's a small slight probably central midfielder with no pace I think he's done okay really at centre back I mean it's not his position then again every now and then he'll just have an absolute horror show um, he's just not a defender simple as that he shouldn't be or he's certainly not a centre back he shouldn't be playing centre back he's a very intelligent player with an eye for a pass but I don't think any of us really know what his best position is so I think the jury's still out on him really and I wonder whether he's probably just a squad player going forward I actually quite like him though you know like I say he's quite an intelligent player and moment of the season couldn't really think of one to be honest with you probably having Lukaku in his back pocket he did score that goal against Liverpool to be fair yes that yeah. was a great goal yeah that's true yeah and he didn't he, didn't he score one against Derby as well he did yeah great goal where he sort of wonder he ran into the box and decided I'm going to score this goal like a striker that's right yeah just suddenly pushed up so yeah I'd probably go with that Kev, I am going to give you a chance to uh, retract comments from earlier on in the season where you uh, declared that Darmian might actually end up being uh, one of the best uh, left backs, sorry, right backs in the entire league. So, Kev, Matteo Darmian, talk to me. I retract nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Bold, um, very bold. No, look, um, he's had an inconsistent season, um, but I think he's been a victim of circumstance. I can't state for sure whether he's going to be or ever reach the kind of level that he reached for Torino and for Italy uh, in the Premier League. It remains to be seen. What I will say is, if he can reach that level 
and continue to grow and develop, then he will absolutely be 100% our first choice right back for the next five or six seasons, if not longer. He is that good. In terms of pure ability, he is the best right back that we have. And I think we saw at the start of the season the potential that he does have. Now, we're not talking about a 20-year-old player anymore, so I realise that I can't lobby for him to be a hot prospect youngster, you know, but he's in his mid-twenties now. But he has been so misused by Van Gaal. And if you want an archetypal example of how Van Gaal's picking and dropping in and out of the team methods can ruin a player's confidence and his ability to impose himself on the pitch, then you only have to look to Matteo Darmian. He's made 31 appearances in all competitions, which you might say is a considerable number. Uh, Five of those have been as a substitute. But of the other 26 appearances, 19 of those have been at right-back and 7 of those have been at left-back. However, he's only started two games in a row, three times this season. Now, a lot of people would point and say, right, well, his performances haven't been good enough. But it just comes back to what we've always said about Van Gaal, which is as soon as a player makes his first mistake, he's willing to give up on him, in some cases. Now, Matteo Darmian had an impressive start to the season, but it didn't take him long to fall out of favour. And since then, he's never really had a chance. He's been chucked in at random, into different positions, at different times, And it's just really, as you can tell, in his first season in England, wreaked havoc with his confidence. He's not outstanding going forward, but he's decent. He's a superb defender. And if we gave him half the chances and half the consistent chances that lesser players than him have been getting, we wouldn't be having a conversation about whether he's good enough to be in the team or not. Um, His best moment of the season, (laughs) without a shadow of a doubt, is that goal against Crystal Palace. Um, I still think that there's a player to be salvaged here. Um, and it's going to be an absolute crying shame if he doesn't get the chance to show what he can really do. Yeah, I think he's one of those players that will definitely benefit if another manager comes in this summer, but that's a conversation for another day. Rich, I might have specifically given you Marcus Rocco just because I know how much you like to lambast our terrible players. You have the floor, my friend. Thank you. Oh, I'm actually going to keep this one quite short. My my favourite moment for of the season for... Um, Marcus Rocco hasn't happened yet, or he may have happened yet, I don't know, but he'll be the last minute he steps off the pitch. This season, and I haven't got a oh, brutal, cold. <laughs> oh, <laughs> frankly, man, you know we've got we've got, we've got a defender who who can't defend. He can't mark players. He can't. He's not comfortable on the ball. He can't cross. He essentially has no attributes that have much use to United at all. Um, and he he just seems to have his performances have just. Been all, absolutely appalling at the end of the season. You know, frankly, I just want him to go away and, and make it'll make it'll make my heart beat less during games. Yeah. Rich, Richard, he's not there anymore. Rich is very, very passionate about toast being made in the right way. That's fair I enough. It's, it's definitely clear. To I say. mean, I'm surprised you didn't go for toast as the highlight of the season. To be fair, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that, that was appalling toast, absolutely. wasn't it? I mean, what 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 made him think? Look, I'll, I've made this toast. It's it's absolutely fried to a crisp. But I'll I'll take a picture of it as if I've been made this wonderful breakfast maybe he made it and he was trying to show off who knows <laughs> his taste in toast is his taste in toast is, appall- is as appalling as his footballing ability Oof. that's all I can right. say that's okay. a wonderful okay. way to end it Paul mo- yeah. make him go away <laughs> <laughs> I think he's done enough to make that happen to be fair Paul uh, one of the uh, <laughs> the less enjoyable ones on this now Luke Shaw before that awful injury uh, in Eindhoven he was having a really brilliant season wasn't he 
Yeah, he was fantastic, and it's uh, it's still sad, so sad that he he got that injury. Prior to that, he was one of the the, the few bright sparks in what was a pretty humdrum team. Really, there's no doubt in my mind that United would have had a much better season with him fully fit, Luke Shaw in the team. You know, he was he looked electric. He'd, he'd he'd gone away in the summer, got himself fit after a first a difficult first season, come back and he was just absolutely electric. And I think Memphis has struck has uh, suffered as well with him being injured. I'm not saying Memphis was brilliant prior to Luke Shaw's injury, but you know, a, a player like like Luke Shaw in that kind of form could only have been positive for United, so it's it's obviously really sad. And now we just have to hope that there are no lasting effects from this injury, psychological or physical, and that he comes back um, and carries on from where he left off. And for his moment of the season, I would probably say uh, at home against Club Bruges, when he picked the ball up in the United's half and just went hell for leather. Oh, gosh. 1-2 with, I think it was Mata. Great cross in, Rooney little touch, and then Memphis skied it over the bar. But that run was just pure Luke Shaw, and uh, obviously we all wish him all the best in his recovery. Yeah, fingers crossed we see more moments like that next season. Kev, <laughs> slightly more humorous uh, topic of conversation now. The man, the myth, the legend, Tony V, Antonio Valencia. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. Start as you mean yeah. to go on, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Um it's it's a tough one to talk about. Okay, um to to quote Paul from the Rantcast, I've long since given up on Antonio Valencia as a concept. <laughs> um it's it's not and for me personally, it's not because he's a terrible footballer. It's because he's proven in his time at United that now he has a glass ceiling in terms of what he can achieve and how much of an impact he can have for us. He's actually pretty solid, or has been since his return, should we say. Like Daily Blind, he's prone to some absolute shockers. And even in the last two or three seasons, you can point to a number of occasions, isolated though they may have been, where he's been directly responsible for goals we've conceded. But he's a workhorse. You can't fault his attitude. Um... But it's an indictment of the team that he's still involved. I mean, he's not a winger anymore. He's definitely a right back. Um, it's been a couple of seasons now. But I've never known a man with no left foot to cut inside onto his left foot so much. Something happened to him in the last couple of years where he's lost all the belief that he can go past players. And it's uh, it's quite sad to see what he's become. I mean, he seems ripe for a sort of Hollywood-style movie where he loses all ability to actually use his other foot and then somehow, through dedication, hard work and the love of a good woman, he's actually able to figure it out and he comes back even stronger and better than ever. He overcomes that adversity. Well, you know, that sounds remarkably more entertaining than what he serves up on the football pitch, so count me in. Boom. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, he, he. I think a lot of people view him in the context of who he's keeping out of the team or the kind of player that he wish was there in his in his stead. He doesn't really do too much wrong anymore, but he doesn't really do too much in general. He's made 18 appearances in total, 10 of them starts, and uh, he's had three assists. Missed a long period of the season. Um, it's hard to make a case for, for him to be in the in that right-back position ahead of the other options that we have. Timothy Fosso-Mensa, most recently, for a while, Guillermo Varela, um, we've already talked about Matteo Darmian. It's time to start playing right back, set right back. Uh, his best moment of the season, genuinely couldn't find one. <laughs> no, that was quite a difficult one. 
Rich, maybe have a bit more luck with Cameron Borthwick-Jackson. What have you made of him so far this season? He's been... Maybe a revelation is too... It's too overdramatic, but he's been a pleasant surprise, I'd say. Um, if, if I'll give LVG one ounce of credit for anything this season, it was that he brought on Borthwick-Jackson with 15 minutes to go against Chelsea for absolutely no reason at all, um, other than the fact that, that maybe he was sick of the sight of Marcus Rocco too. But he brought him on 50 minutes, didn't have to. He did pretty well in that game. And I think it was about three games later when we played we played at Anfield and he played and he just looked like a you know like an experienced pro left-back. And I think that that's probably the moment of the season in him really just showing that he even in the you know that litmus test at Fergie's that can can you play at Anfield that he did and he played well and going back to Rocco again you've got Rocco's played the last few games and it's just inconceivable how Borthwick Jackson's just been disappeared again until until that the injury and he had to come on at Norwich because he just he was so promising and you know I I would never wish injury on a player but I'd, I'd love to see Rocco just just have a niggle for the, for the last two games where he can't play and Borthwick Jackson plays in a cup final because I think he's deserved it good stuff Paul Timothy Fossumensen he's been one of the other young lads who've come in in our defence and actually done a really good job this season by the look of it yeah he looks great there was a lot of talk about him um, uh, for, for quite a while now you know a really bright prospect and he, I think he's really shown that um, what is he 18 years old coming into a really crap United team um, he's just looked so assured right from the off strong athletic intelligent so yeah really exciting going forwards and He's another one I'm not sure that we would really know what his best position is yet because it'd be quite interesting to see him in defensive midfield one day. But moments of the season, it's a bit of a weird one, but I think uh, getting injured against Spurs because it showed just how big an impact he'd had on the game because we literally collapsed immediately oh gosh, we did, didn't we? as he went off the pitch. Yeah, yeah. Completely collapsed. There's one player who I'm guessing we're not going to see much more of, Kev. <laughs> Phil the Dominator Jones. <laughs> well, we you say we're not going to see much more of him. We still haven't really seen him this year, have no, we? I mean, I mean, but this season we all pegged as his last season. Surely, surely it should have been his last to make an impression. Yeah, you would have thought. So I think the fact that he's young-ish and English will always buy him a little bit more time than it otherwise should. I mean, he's made thirteen appearances in all competitions this year. And I genuinely can't remember one of them. <laughs> That's not just me saying that for effect. It's it's he's been a non-factor, and it's been really really sad to see. Um, because he's a bit of a lump, but there's a footballer in there somewhere, and he has played very well in better United teams than this and held his own. As was the concern for everybody coming into this season, it's a case of. We can never truly know just how good he could be because he can't stay fit enough to develop consistency that brings those good performances in time um, or brings whatever level of performance that he will ultimately reach. It was a bit of a crossroads moment for both he and Chris Smallin this year and it's remarkable to see how they've gone herring off in opposite directions. I've got a lot of sympathy for Phil Jones because, you know, he's... Yeah, as I said, he's he's a bit of a bit of a clown, but he is somebody who is obviously really working quite hard. But I think his time is gone now. He can't stay fit, and if you can't stay fit, then it doesn't matter how good you are. Not as good as Duncan Edwards, then. He's not. No, he's not as good as Duncan Edwards. Yes. Yeah, so moment of the season, it's probably going to be 
something that comes. Oh gosh, there was one terrible, this. terrible moment of the season. Actually, thinking about it, his branded uh, social media tweets and uh, Instagram snaps on the day of the oh, uh, the Munich remembrance. Oh, that was horrific. Oh, that was that was awful. Very, very ill advised. Well, there we go. Who said the moments of the seasons couldn't be also quite harrowing? Rich Guillermo Varela, who is, as you rightly pointed out... That was an stuff. incredible pr- pronunciation. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, four and a half years of GCSE Spanish, not completely down the drain. <laughs> Rich Varela. <laughs> now, we haven't seen him for a while. He was actually going to be on the bench for Sunday's game. He seems to have finally found his way back after that uh, awful first half at Liverpool, but... Yeah, what, what have you made of him in, in the moments that we've seen in this season? Well, I was going to say Guillermo, who, as, as, as you just said, he's, he's been disappeared by LVGs, as some players often are. Um, you know, I think he's, he's been um, an example of just the, the ridiculousness of some of the things Van Gaal does. You know, players can have a, a poor half or, you know, one even one particular incident that's poor and before you know it, they've never seen again. Um, he's had he's had high moments this season and, and low moments when he's played. I, I like him as a player as a right back going forward, but I don't think he's anything special defensively. Um, and I don't see a player there who's ever going to be United's first choice right back. Um, but uh, thinking thinking of moments of the season or other his best his best moments, I guess he, he had a really terrific game against Arsenal at, at home with the, in the three two game. Um, and um, he also played really well in the the second leg of the Europa League game against um, uh, Um So you know th- there is a player in there, but but he's very raw, and he obviously he hasn't played a lot of uh, a lot of first team football in the last couple of years. And I could you know I could see I could see him having a use as a, as a reserve right back. He's a he's a Poundland Raphael, isn't he? Well, he is really, but you know, if for a backup, I think he's quite he's quite capable. But he's not he's not ever going to be a, a first choice player at United. Would you uh, say that uh, game against Arsenal probably end up being the moment of the season? Excellent cross, I think, for Rashford's second, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Good stuff, Paul. You've got a slightly uh, <laughs> more interesting topic of conversation here. The man that we use for added height, even though he can't head the ball, the one, the only, Marouane Fellaini. Oh, Fellaini, it's just. He's like the, a totem for Moyes, isn't he? He's just why? Why is he still here? He's like, he's like, uh, it's almost like you've been in a relationship and you, you split up, and the 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 woman's stepson sort of just stays in your house, just hanging around, making a nuisance of himself, eating your food. It's like that's what Marafelini is for me, you know. Eating all your food. I don't want him there. He's not good enough. He's never going to be a good, good enough. Um, United are crying out for. I've been crying out for a bastard in the team for ages, but he's not even that. He's just, a th- as Howard Webb said, just a thug. It, to be fair, he's actually not been that bad this season, but I think that that's more a reflection on, on of how far United have fallen than him himself. You know, I think Everton was about his level. He wouldn't get into any other top European side, and I can't see him being a United player for much longer whoever comes in as manager. Yeah, I think you mentioned uh, the uh, the fact that when he is not terrible, it's a very pleasant surprise because our expectations for him are so low these days. That's exactly right, yeah. I mean, he played he played quite reasonably well against Everton in the semi-final because he was in his actual position. But even then, you know, there's always at least one just catastrophic mistake in him, you know? Yeah, by his standards, he's not had a bad season, but by United's standards... 
he's just nowhere near. Moment of the season definitely is knee walking goal against Bournemouth in December. Oh gosh, wonderful tech is that? Absolutely marvelous. Kev, <laughs> Michael Carrick. Oh, Michael Carrick. Um, well, just a brief segue. He's not been named in the England squad, has he? So no, he has not. No. That after he's thirty four, thirty five in July, and he's made the exact same amount of appearances for England somehow in the last however many years, what, 15 years, um, England have not been that blessed with midfielders of his quality uh, for him to have made such a little impact on the international scene. And it really was only in the last couple of years of his England career, uh, amidst the waning faith in Frank Lampard and Steven Gerrard, that uh, people realise just what a player they had in their hands. So I think it's a great shame that he's going to retire now, almost certainly from international football. Um, you know, with such having made such a little impact on the international game, because England could have used a player like him. But I mean, the same old story in terms of United, we've been using him too much, <laughs> far too much. He's uh, 34. He's made 37 appearances in all competitions. Somehow. He's arguably been our best central midfielder this season, which is slightly alarming. Yeah, I mean, I think we all hoped that Schweinsteiger's arrival would mean he wouldn't have to play as much. I can't imagine it was the plan that he played so much, but we got to a point where we didn't have anyone else. Uh, But yeah, 37 appearances, no goals, no assists, but so often looked our most assertive presence in the centre in terms of actually being willing to play the ball forward. So as much as it is time for him to go because he's 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 about a year and a half past his Gary Neville moment, we're going to miss him. Not for the player he is now, but for the player he used to be. Because in flashes, uh, he's still shown himself to be that player. But his legs are gone and it doesn't look like he's getting a new contract. He's been a terrific servant to the club um, for somebody who really, really wasn't rated by a lot of the United fan base for a long time. He has been a key player in the most successful era in our history and everything since. So I salute him. I'm a big fan. Uh, We'll miss him when he's gone, but he's had a shocker this year again. Okay, would you give him a new contract? No. No, I wouldn't have given him a new contract last year. Rich, what about you? No. Damning. Paul? Um, I'm undecided. Not really um, uh, resounding positivity yeah, on that front, I think guys. I, probably, I think I probably would. I'll tell you what the issue is here. is not whether we should release Michael Carrick or not. It's the club's ability to actually buy another midfielder yeah. who's any good. You know, we'd, I, I'd say I'd say the only reason for keeping him would be because we just don't trust ourselves to to buy a decent player to replace him. No, I'm sorry, but I understand what you're saying, Rich, about that. But he needs to go, so we will replace him. If we keep him, we won't. He just needs to go. It would be a travesty to keep him around. It would be such a, an indication of our lack of ambition. And it would be a cop-out. It's the same reason. Skull should, Skull should never have to come out of retirement. How have we still not solved the midfield issue after all these years? Get him gone and get somebody else in. I don't care. I mean, speaking of uh, midfielders who haven't necessarily have great seasons, Rich, we'll move on to you and Morgan Schneidlin. Now, there is definitely one I take player. issue with that statement. What? What? What statement? That he hasn't had good season. He's not had a he's not had a great season, Kev. To be fair, I mean, look, look at. But he hasn't had a if, bad if, season. Well, I mean, okay, well, well, okay, well, maybe not a fantastic season, but his uh, exclusion from the France squad, considering that he was a full international before he arrived at United and was in the squads previously, suggests that he's not necessarily had a most wonderful campaign. Has that? Okay, 
Right, okay. Uh, go go to Rich because you didn't come to me. I'm sorry for interrupting. Thank you. Rich? Well, I think we have to go back to what Kev was saying about Matteo Darmian and how his season has been quite broken in that he, he gets dropped every game or two. And Schneidlin's really had exactly the same experience. Um, he, he started the season generally quite well, but he had the odd shocker. He was awful against Wolfsburg at home, I remember. And he just he's one of the players in the squad who, who pays for his poor performances with being disappeared for a month. And I think as a result, he's not been able to get any level of consistency together. I also think that he, even when he was playing at the start of the season, he was playing within himself and not in the same sort of dynamic role that he had at Southampton. So I think there's a better player there than we've seen I think he's one of the players that we really won't know how good he is until Van Gaal's gone and somebody else has got the opportunity to work with him and see if they can get the, the best out of the attributes that he's got um, in terms of the best moment of the season I suppose it would have to be the, the goal at Everton it looked like it mattered um, didn't it that was the nice thing about it well it did and it, it came in one of our very very few really competent performances this season so yeah that would be his moment of the season I think I think there's probably more to come from him, but it won't it won't arrive if we don't. Dump we need to start him. letting him play the role that we try and get Fellaini to play. Yeah. What role is that yeah. out of interest? He's box to box. We make Fellaini play that? Oh gosh. That's yeah. Boring. Well, put it this way: he's he's deep. we we've well, tried Fellaini try, every which way possible. But what I'm saying is, um, Schneiderlin on his best days for Southampton was a presence outside of both areas, not just his own. So. Um, he needs to be given a little bit more freedom. Fair enough. Paul, moving on to uh, one of the sadder entries of uh, the evening, purely because I absolutely adore this man, but he's really not had a great campaign. One Bastian Schweinsteiger. Yeah, Bastian Schweinsteiger. I'll just read you a, a quote. When he does not have injury problems, I am completely convinced he will do very well at Manchester United. He is a top, top player. Not my words, lads. The words of Pep Guardiola, who doesn't sell top, top players at their peak. We probably should have listened to him. And he was a top, top player, but he's not anymore. Um, It is a bit sad. We're all dead excited, but moment in the season, all that pointing against Southampton, or I would say using his arse to move the goalkeeper out of the way against West Ham. So Martial could score. That was absolutely wonderful. I mean, while we're on the subject of Basti, uh, Paul, would you keep him around for the next season? Yeah, I guess maybe. I don't know. That's a glowing recommendation. It, again, it depends who it depends who you buy. I mean, he's just gonna, he's constantly injured. It seems pretty pointless, but I guess he's he's contracted to us now, so we're probably going to have to. Rich, uh, if he's not fit, he's not fit, is he? I think I think he's a useful presence for us if if we if he's on the pitch. Um, I think we saw his the the benefits to his drive when he came on as a substitute in the, the home cup game against West Ham and really kind of drove us forward to get to get that equaliser. I think we looked more defensively sound when he was playing, but then the the flip side of that was that when he was at the time he was playing, we were also incredibly impotent going forward. So he, we're paying such a lot of money for so such little return, aren't we? Um, but I suspect we're stuck with him now because there's no one on, on this earth who will pay him the wages we are to play about 15 games a season. Kev, please give me a bit of positivity here. I think he could go on to have quite an impact just in terms of the example he sets as a professional. Um, I would love to see him under the next manager, 
even if he's still you know a player for us, being a bit more involved in the coaching setup at the times that he's not fit. Um, he has shown himself to be that kind of a player in terms of giving advice to the to the younger players, arm around the shoulder. I mean, there were some beautiful moments earlier on in the season when he was actually out on the pitch. But he's won the World Cup. He's won countless trophies. We would be remiss in our in our duties to our up-and-coming players if we didn't try and capitalise on that experience in some form. Now, you see it at Atleti at the moment that some of their senior players are seen gesticulating and giving advice from the bench. Now, albeit in the absence of Diego Simeone, you see Gabby flailing on the on the pitch on the side of the pitch like a madman. Um, but I do think there's something to be said for allowing the leaders of your dressing room to be leaders, and and that goes beyond uh, necessarily just what he does on the pitch. Now, I hope he recaptures some semblance of form, and I hope that next year we're a team that's performing well enough, consistently enough, that we can use him as a player to be used for specific situations, to calm games down, to, to really just you know um, bring a cool head in when needed. And hopefully he can stay fit enough. Um, my concern is he has looked two stone overweight since the day he arrived, and he's not getting any younger or any fitter. But if, as Rich says, we're stuck with him, I think there's an absolute gold mine of experience to be uh, to be had there. Good stuff. Well, sticking with you, Ander Herrera, talk to me. <laughs> I'm very conflicted about having to talk about Ander Herrera. Um, He's probably not going to hear you. Don't worry. <laughs> Thank you. Um, he is still got such potential to be an absolute gem for United, but with every passing game. My belief that he will ultimately become that player for us um, just diminishes a little. Uh, he's played 39 games for us this season in one way or another. And you can't say really anymore that Van Hal has not given him the chance to impress. I think maybe his hand has been forced and we can talk all day about you know whether he's had to play Herrera or whether he's chose to. Um, and you can refer back to times when he was in and out of the team quite consistently, and and that still continues to an extent, but he's played far too many games now where he's not shown himself to be the player that we all believe him to be. And it used to be that his performances were of such good quality when he was involved that there was absolute outcry when he wasn't. There's not really outcry anymore. Um or if it is, it's a bit duller and it's more for the player we believe he could be than the player he's shown himself to be so far. Um, he's obviously very, very sort of passionate about United. He says all the right things. He makes all the right noises. He's had some moments where you just think, that's it, you've got it. Like His persistence and the way he set up um, Martial's winner in the FA Cup semi-final against Everton. Um, there's moments that just make you absolutely fall in love with him, the way he celebrates, more on that later, and the way that he interacts with the press and the fans and uh, and the fact that he probably still is, in terms of ability, our best midfielder. Um, I think the Van Hal thing has had a huge effect. Um, he'll probably get the opportunity to show under Mourinho, if we assume that Mourinho's coming in, uh, that he's more than the player Van Hal has shown him to be. But he's got to start putting up very quickly. Uh, some good performances because the clock is ticking and he's had his opportunities. Moment of the season? Uh, the celebration when Schweinsteiger equalised against Watford um, when he was in the uh, dugout losing his mind and just breaking the place up. It was amazing. He's one of the few players who brings a smile to my face any time he scores. He just looks like it's the best moment in his life. It's wonderful. 
Rich, you have the the honour of talking about easily our best outfield player of the season, Anthony Martial. Absolute gush. That's that's all he makes me do. He makes me gush. What an absolutely wonderful footballer we've bought there. He's highlighted the averageness of everybody else at the club, apart from David Haya, by just playing at the level which we used to get out of six or seven players a season. He's almost dragged us to fourth place and I can't there was nobody I felt felt worse for on, on Tuesday than, than him after he scored that wonderful goal to put us two one up. And then everyone else around us had cacked themselves and conceded two goals. You, you can see his face after the equaliser is absolutely devastated. And yeah, I mean if if there's there's one thing that we can be really, really positive about at United at the moment is it's Martial. You just, we just, I think we just have to hope that we manage to to invest intelligently enough to um, bring in a, a better players that that will have, create a team which is playing nearer to his level. Because at the moment, I'm, I'm sure he's hyper aware that he's 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 way in front of everybody else at the club. Um, if we're looking for a best moment, there's so many. But I'd it's probably, quite difficult to choose for this player, really, isn't it? It is really. There were so many. I, I'd probably just about for the the celebrations, the level of the celebration after he scored it, probably the Everton the Everton goal in the, in the semi final, because that was, I guess, that was the one true United moment, United in inverted commas moment in a season when we didn't look anything like United, but that was United for for that those few seconds that you know everything about it, it was it was actually a harder goal to take than you, than you imagine he, his first touch was brilliant from the little toe through from Herrera and, and then the finish was so cool and he's just got more class than most of his teammates put together and he's an absolute joy to watch Paul switching uh, gears slightly to Dabu's extraordinaire Jesse Lingard one of the more divisive members of the squad it's fair to say yeah, and I understand why. I mean, obviously, it's great to see a local lad doing well, getting in the first team. That's an important clarification. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, I just don't... You can see why Van Gaal really likes him and has, chose, has given him his chance because he's, he's he works hard, obviously follows instructions. We've, we've, we've gone through all this before. Um, is he really top, top draw? No, I don't think he is. Um Unlike with other sort of attacking players, I don't really get the sense that he's been massively stunted by Van Gaal. I feel like maybe this is about as good as it's going to get. I mean, he might improve a little bit, but it's not like he's a you know, really young lad anymore. But I don't think really going forward he's going to be... He's never going to be a United star, I don't think. Fair enough. I mean, you've got, you've got a couple of nice moments of the season to pick from Jesse, at least. Yeah, I, I've, I went for the goal against Chelsea just because um, obviously it was... Big big game, and I thought he took it really well. Um, and as usual, when he doesn't have time to think about it too much, he actually can finish quite well. Um, uh, yeah, so that was, that would be my my moment personally. I think good stuff, Kev, the man who has blogged his way into our hearts, Juan Mata, into your heart maybe. Um, no, I actually really, what? Yeah, no, I, get out. I, I do like him, but you know he's. Oh no, who am I kidding? <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's one matter. Um, how can you not like him? How can you not love him? I think he's been very, very harshly treated by a lot of the United uh, fans this year. You know, you see like hashtag fraud and all this, uh, just this ridiculous word that 
tends to attach itself to anybody who has the audacity to underperform in any way. Um, fraud. But uh, no, Juan Mata, not his most influential season for us. Six goals, um, 53 chances created across the entire season. Um, I was actually quite impressed to read that we created 53 chances <laughs> across the entire really? season, let alone from Juan Mata. Um, so that, that, that's good. Um, look, at, he's been, in the same way that Martial has been so, so standout because of the uniquely high level of his performance, Mata has been standout in that he's probably the only creative player we have. Um, he's not delivered consistently high performances, but he is the player we look to to deliver a creative performance. And as such, um, he divides opinion. He's usually either quite good or quite anonymous. There doesn't tend to be too much of a middle ground. Um, he's had his moments. Again, this year, he'll always have his moments. Um, Greg Johnson wrote an exceptional piece last summer on Juan Mata about how he was... Turning into turning from the player that created chances to the type of player that gets on the end of them, um, and he is more about clever movement now necessarily than you know what he does with the ball at his feet, um, and there's something to that. One of the things that we've talked about at length with Juan Mata over the last two and a half seasons has been whether or not we'll truly see him in a good United side, or whether he'll be a player that bridges our uh, transitional period um, and once we get to a team that is good enough uh, to ha- uh, house the player we thought we were buying when he joined us from Chelsea um, whether he'll still be that player and I think it's pretty clear to see that by the time we get to the level that we need to be at that that will be a level beyond him but he's been a good servant um, and he's had his moments and we probably still wouldn't be where we are without him but there's better than him that needs to come in. What about moments of the season? Yeah, uh, that free kick against Watford, great goal. Uh, he's got that in his locker. He needs to do it more often. Good choice. Not choice at all. Right, Rich. <laughs> I'm sure you're going to enjoy this one. Club captain, Mr. Wayne Rooney. Oh, what did you give Rich Wayne give Rooney it to me straight. <laughs> you chose on purpose, didn't you? I did, yeah. I'm not going to lie. I chose him. I chose okay. Wayne Rooney on purpose for you. Well, this should only take a minute. It should. Well, here is a formerly great footballer who is now seriously <laughs> on the wane and is clearly no longer good enough to be centre forward at United. And the last few games have shown he's no longer good enough to be a midfielder at United either, or for a first choice. And he's, I think he's kind of getting to the point now where he's a serious albatross around our necks because he's on such huge wages. He's not necessarily going to want to up sticks and move his family to China. And uh, he's only 30, and there's not another club in the Premier League that pay him the absolutely absurd salary that we're we're putting chucking his bank account every week. Um, so, yeah, I, poor old Phil won't like it, but I, I think he's potentially the biggest problem for Mourinho if he comes in this summer, um, because and and for Hodgson in the in the Euros as well because. You can't really justify him starting in any any position in the England team. You know, I think there are better players there. Um, so, you know, he's had a he's had a six out of ten season. I was thinking about his his best moment, and I'd say probably his the performance against Newcastle was 
was kind of a reminder of what he used to be and he scored a really terrific goal that game and he set up the, the Lingard um, goal with a really nice back heel and it, it was really a reminder of, of the player he used to be and that he very rarely is anymore um, that, that that game against Newcastle and that goal in particular I think was the, his moment of the season or alternatively just thinking about it the, the winner at Anfield you know any winner at Anfield is special he didn't even have a particularly good game it was a really poor game but, but he got the goal and that that meant a lot to us at the time. So, either of those games, but I'd say he's had a six out of ten season, and he's going to become a serious problem for us next year if he isn't already. Yeah, someone who's definitely not going to be a problem for us next season, Paul Marcus Rashford. He's just today been announced to be part of England's provisional twenty-six man squad for France uh, Euro twenty sixteen. Yeah, and deservedly so. I mean, what can you say about the guy? He's gone from being there was all that talk at the beginning is he the new Makeda and I get where that came from but he's he's anything but isn't he well, he's only in the squad because Will Keane got injured playing against uh, Shrewsbury a couple of days before the Midgetland game and of course Van Gaal will take all the credit for discovering him um, but like you say I mean Will Keane was ahead of him obviously Martial Rooney um, so I, I mean I'm glad that, he, that Van Gaal did uh, play him He's but he's just so good. He's fast. He's skillful. He's assured in front of goal. He's calm. Um, I think we've got a real gem. And if you remember when he when he made his debut against Mitchelland, we had the panic that went through United fans when Martial got injured, and then he just it was like he's got ice in his in his veins, you know. Um, moment of the season. I think a lot of people would probably go for his goal against West Ham because it's yeah. probably the better goal. But for me, I think it was the goal against City. Um, at the Etihad because I think that's when I I sort of first thought yeah this guy's for real you know he's the real deal um, he's just so so calm I saw an I saw an exceptional tweet about Marcus Rashford um, somebody had quoted Theo Walcott's uh, tweet about you know wishing Roy and the boys all the best of luck in the summer and it was uh, Marcus Rashford keeping Walcott out of the England squad and the, and he's on his school holidays <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> quite good Oh. Kev, for your last one of the evening, uh, you've got. Well, uh, you're gonna. It's a bit of a challenge to pull something out of this one. Ashley Young, does he sort of fall into the category of uh, the likes of Tony V of uh, players who have done something for United over the last few years, but perhaps should see this summer as an opportunity to be moved on? Yeah, I mean, I think Ashley Young has been by proxy replaced by Lingard now, hasn't he? Just the the workhorse. Uh sort of player that is going to put a shift in um has got fairly decent delivery but is is not a top class winger in the way that we understand it um, i actually think Ashley Young's a better player than 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 Lingard and has shown himself to be that across his united career and yeah i definitely would sooner have him playing at left back rather than Marcus Rojo at the moment um i'm not so sure we've seen the back of Youngy just yet i like him but yeah i mean squad player at best all right, you're excused for a moment of the season because I literally can't think of anything at the moment. <laughs> okay, Rich, last player of the night for you. Uh, one of, well, I guess in terms of a player, a very promising talent is our good moments of the season, but has ultimately had a very frustrating term, which kind of sums us up quite nicely, doesn't it? Memphis Depay. He does. He does. He's he's. It's been a very very disappointing season. I was at the Midgetland game, and um, I'd say that his performance that night was. I would say the best individual performance I've seen from United players since Ronaldo left, which is saying something, and it's notable because he hasn't achieved anything 
close to that in any other game this season. Um, and it's really frustrating because there's clearly a huge amount of talent there, but for whatever reason, it's not. He's not getting the best out of himself, or Van Gaal isn't getting the best out of him, or whatever. I don't know what it is, but um, you know, I think he's another one who really needs a new start with a different manager, and then we can really judge whether he's good enough to beat United or not. Um, I think he, I think he probably is in terms of talent, but whether we'll ever ever get the the best out of him, I'm not sure. But I, I definitely think that another manager could do something with him that where Van Hal hasn't been able to. Which is remarkable when you think about it, considering that Van Hal would know him better than most managers, having managed him and then a whole national team, and wanted to buy him in the first place. Well, the thing about Van Hal is he signed, what is it? I think he signed twelve players since he's, he's come in, and um, most of them he doesn't seem to particularly rate, <laughs> or most of them haven't really worked in his system, and he's he's ended up going back to he gives up quickly he does give up quickly but but he's he's bought these players you know supposedly to fit his system and he he can't seem to be able to get a tune out of them in in that system um you know so i think depay's kind of um you know it's, it's just another example of 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 that and the disappointment and i think i think the whole club just needs to get rid of van Hal and everyone just to start again next season mm. and then we can then we can judge them in 12 months time Moment of the season? That game against uh, Mijitlan was pretty pretty cool. Um, the, and he, he scored a nice goal that night, and I'd say that's probably, you know, I guess for, probably for him as well, that would be his moment of the season. Good stuff. Gentlemen, that is all of our players sorted out. Thank you very much for getting through that with me this evening. Much appreciated. Guys, thank you very much for listening. Don't forget you can find us on SoundCloud if you search for Red Voices, and you can do the same on the Apple Podcast app. You can also find us on Facebook if you search for Red Voices, and on Twitter. Paul, where can the Twitter people find you? Dead simple, just Paul Gunning one Great stuff. Kev? Uh, at Kev underscore LT. And Rich? at richardcan76 you wonderful wonderful human beings thank you very much for that we'll be back after what will hopefully be a very enjoyable FA Cup final shall we say from our perspective but yeah we'll be back next week thank you very much for listening and good night. Good night.